Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Uh, today has just uh, been an unusual, I don't say unusual, I should maybe say usual, becoming more and more usual, normal. Uh, because I'm not going to preach what I prepared to preach today. So this is kind of a wing it day. Um, because I felt like the Lord's breathing on something else. And so I'm learning in my life, you know, after preaching since I was 14 years old, that it's better to follow what he's saying than to go with what you've prepared. And I'm just telling you, if you've not ever done what I do, that's not as easy as it looks. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying what's going on inside me is much like what probably goes on in the inside of you when God tells you to go up to someone and pray for them. And you start going through all the excuses on why you shouldn't, why you can't, what you don't know, what, how, you know, start disqualifying yourself. We have to learn this truth that this gospel is not about us. The quicker we learn that, the more free we will be that we just give him our fears and inhibitions and say, Lord, it's not about me. It's all about you, whatever you want to do. So that's what we're going to do today, and uh, we're going to see where it goes. I've already felt like uh, it's not going to go the same way the first service went, and I'm just going to trust him with that. So we are going to look at uh, familiar scripture. I believe we're going to launch from this, but then uh, if you've got sermon notes there on your YouVersion Bible app, those aren't going to be too handy today. <laughs> you can save those for another time. We'll see how that goes. But if you have your Bibles, Mount Carmel, Carlinville, North City, E-Roads family, let's open them up to Matthew chapter 6. Woo! Woo! Matthew chapter 6. Help me, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord. I just desire you, Jesus. We desire your voice and your presence. It's all that matters. Help me, Lord. Matthew in chapter 6, these are the words of Jesus, and this is what he says. He says in verse 9, in this manner, therefore, pray. So I want you to pray specifically this way. Not another way, but this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, hallowed, holy, sanctified, set apart, holy, be your name. Your name is set apart above any other name. Verse 10, your kingdom come. Whose kingdom? His. Does that mean ours? No. So if it comes between us and him, who wins? He does. Your kingdom, your system, your rule, your authority, come. 
your will be done. Your will come to pass. Your will be developed. Your will be in my life. So my will or his will, which one wins? His will. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. So whose will matters? Jesus. Do we have a will? Yes. Whose will supersedes ours? Yes. Whose is more important than ours? Whose will do we need to yield to? Those are all the right answers. But do we do it? Obviously, we don't always, all the time, any of us. But just setting it before us, that is the goal. Your will, Jesus, not mine. Not my comfort of what I have prepared, but your will and what you want to say. Because it's not about what makes me feel good. It's about what you desire. Because if, what, if we do what you desire, then your will will be done in every way, shape, or form. If we do what we want, that does not guarantee that his will will ever be done. I promise you, we want his will to be done. We want to experience his will in our life. The challenge is the sacrificing of our will not knowing what his will will produce. There's that uncertainty of I really want to do this. And we have to say, but I will deny myself and choose what you want, trusting that what you want is better than what I'm sure is good. Am I making sense to anybody? There's a crevice that we have to cross where we lay our will down because we trust and believe his will is better. I don't care how confident we are in what we want. What he wants is always better. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is the way Jesus said to pray. And so what I think God's speaking to us today is a little bit about reconstructing in our mind the possibility that it can be on earth like it is in heaven. Most of the time we don't even believe that's possible because we've embraced the ideology that heaven is this perfect place Earth is just a mere sinful place that we have to survive until we get here. But can earth actually be like heaven? If not, if the answer is no, it cannot, then why did Jesus say to pray that way? We have to form our beliefs around what the Bible says and not according to what I see, hear, or think. I may not be able to reason how my earth could be like heaven, but the Bible says it can. 
So I come into a, a moment of challenge of this is what I think is possible, but this is what it says. And I've got to understand in those moments which, one's win, which one wins. Is it going to be what I read or is it going to be what I think? As it is in heaven. So what I think God is challenging us, uh, and I'm going to say all of this in the context, let me give context for it, that it's not me up here talking down to you. This is where I am. Oh, here he is. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean that to be weird. I've been on the other side, so I understand how that can seem weird. I'm not trying to be super spiritual. I'm just, I'm trying to be sensitive. I'm trying to be sensitive to the one I love. That when I feel him on something, I don't want to move because he's there. It's like I almost don't even want to leave a spot because I felt him there. You're like, well, he's everywhere. I understand that. But you got to also understand there's places where he sits on something. He, he breathes on something. He, he manifests. Whatever language you want to use, it's just different. He's expressing his pleasure in something. And this is what I think God's wanting us to understand in our life, that Christianity has to move beyond churchianity or religion. And I want you to understand where I am on this journey because where I am is where I'm leading. Sorry, but that's the way it's going to be. Not arrogantly like I'm in control. I'm not. <laughs> I am not. He is, I pray. That's my desire that I not be in control, but he will. So the, the thing that we're leading into is what he wants to do. And that may be uncomfortable at times, but I want it to be on earth as it is in heaven. So even when we begin to look at church and how it works and how it processes and everything, I, I think, Lord, how can our church be like heaven? Well, I think we've got to ask ourselves, well, what's heaven like? Let's, let's go to Revelation chapter 4. Help me, Jesus. Let me, are you with me so far? I know there's no words on the screens and any of that, but just that's why we bring our Bible. You just don't, don't know what's going to happen. Or you can use your phone. I'm not saying you can't, please. Feel free. Or your iPad. or You may have a uh, Macintosh set up there at your chair. You feel free to. <laughs> IBM. God bless you. Pull out your Commodore 64 and let's open up to, that's a joke that very few people are going to get right there. Sorry. Revelation chapter 4. Stay focused. I moved off of what he was resting on. Sorry. See, that was Chad. Now we're getting back to the word. In the Revelation chapter 4, the heading on that passage of scripture says the throne room of, what does it say? The throne room of where? Of, of heaven. So this is a picture, a glimpse of the throne room of heaven. What did Jesus tell us to pray? On earth as it is in heaven. So if we're talking about church and we want church to be as it is in heaven, maybe this is a good picture of what we should be modeling. I'm just throwing things out. I'm shooting from the hip here today. 
I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I encourage you to do so, but something jumps out at me in verse 8. It says, the four living creatures, listen, listen to these creatures, each of the four having six wings. Four creatures, six wings. Have you seen any six-winged creatures on the earth? I have not. They were full of eyes, like eyes, these eyes, full of them. Didn't say they had two. Didn't say they had eight. They were full of them around and within. They got eyes all over them and within them. I can't comprehend that, can you? A creature with six wings and eyes all around it and within it. I don't understand that, but it's there. And they, all four of them, do not rest day or night. Day or night. If they do not rest day or night, the question comes to my mind, when do they stop? If they do not rest day or night, when do they stop? Never. They don't. This is heaven, right? What Jesus say? Pray on earth as it is in heaven. What's happening in heaven? We've got these six-winged creatures with eyes all around them. And they do not rest day or night saying, what are they saying? Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So this is what they're saying. They're saying it day or night. When do they stop saying it? They don't. What are they saying? Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Are they saying it or singing it? I don't know. It says saying there, so they're at least saying it. Are they singing it too? I don't know. But they are at least saying it over and over and over and over and over. Let's say that's a song that they're singing just for application for us because I believe God's wanting to teach us something. Notice there's not a second verse. There's not a chorus. There's not a bridge. One, one, one grouping, we could call this the chorus, I guess, if you want. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Why are they not getting bored saying that? Things that make me think. If we were, let me put it in context for us. If we were singing that in church, at what point would we get tired of singing the same thing? Rhetorical question. But I believe the honest observation is that at least at some point we would, right? Some of you might be like having that thought already when we sing certain things or worship a certain way. You're like, when are we going to move on? How could they say it day or night and never stop? 
Here's the answer. Sorry, that's the wrong way to say it. Here's my understanding of a portion of the answer. I have no idea the fullness of God. But my little brain thinks here's a portion of it. Notice the creatures have eyes with all around them and within them. They're not saying holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come because it's a song from within, something they're seeing. We sing that song here, words on a screen. They're not saying it because they're singing a song to him. They're saying it because all of their eyes, picture this, as they fly around the throne, all their eyes are seeing someone. They're not seeing something, they're seeing someone. Here's the transition we have to make in church. We have to go from seeing something to seeing someone. If I just sing words on a screen, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, again, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Eventually, we get tired of that because we're like, I've already seen that. But when you fly around the throne of God and you see him, every time you look at him, you see something you've never seen before. Not just with two eyes, but when you're full of eyes, his glory is too much for all of your eyes. I'm not sure I'm grasping what I'm saying myself. What God is wanting us to transition from church is singing about someone and seeing him for ourselves. And when they see him, all they say is, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Not because of anything other than what I see. I see you and you are just that. So how, how would we worship if we just saw him and just begin to come out of our hearts, worship because we see something more than we just sang something? Because look what happens. These four living creatures, they're, they're leading this, this chant, if you will, this declaration. But look at verse 9. This is what's going on in heaven. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, that's what they call what they said. They call it giving him thanks, glory and honor and thanks. To him who sits on the throne. Who are they giving the thanks to? To the people on the platform? They're giving it to him who sits on the throne. The people in the platform are supposed to be pointing us to the one who gets worship. That's why I'm not paying attention to the one singing as much as I'm paying attention to the one I'm singing to. This is why we get our preferences and we think about, well, I don't know that I like those songs or I don't know I like that song and I, I want us to play that song. Our problem is in church, we've made church about us. Church is not about people. Church is about Jesus. But what God is wanting to break is a culture of religion 
that's thought it was okay to be picky and preferential. Oh, Jesus. And if you don't do it the way I like it, I will find somewhere else. How we as religious leaders, I'll put us all in a category, have not helped people is because we have catered to that. Help us, Jesus. And we began to think, the reason we catered to that is because we thought you are our goal. We thought you were our reward. But the revelation of Jesus is, is that you are not the reward to the people that's called to lead the gospel. Our reward is him. And as I prayed this morning early, I was praying over all the seats and praying in the sanctuary and and throughout the place. One of the things I said was, Lord, if none of them come, but only you come, I will be fulfilled. Do I want people to come? Sure. But it's just not my reward. It can't be your reward. For those on the platform, to our worship team, the people are not a reward. We're not singing to the people. We're not singing to get the people to sing. We're worshiping Jesus. I'm not playing my instrument to get you going. I'm playing it so that he will smile. It's unto the Lord. Because when, when, these six, when these four living creatures with their six wings, whenever they do that, and they give thanks to them who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever, look at what happens in verse 10. The 24 elders... How many of them? 24. How many disciples were there? How many tribes of Israel were there? 12. That makes 24. 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and even, even, and sorry, ever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will. They exist and were created. Look what happens. Look at verse 10. 24 elders. Now, when you think of the word elders, what picture's in your mind? Picture's in your mind. Probably old dudes. I don't know. I don't, it does, I'm not trying to say one thing's right or wrong. I'm just saying, what is your picture of elders? Seated on their own thrones with their own crowns. Who gave them those crowns? Jesus did. These are not illegitimate crowns. They're legitimate crowns given to them by Jesus. And who put them on those thrones? Jesus. These are not illegitimate thrones. They're legitimate. They earned them according to Jesus. But these people in distinguished positions, hear me. Distinguished positions. This is me sitting on the throne. That's why my hands are this way. You're like, what are you doing? I'm seated (laughs) on my throne. Right? So these elders, when the the creatures begin to say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, the elders in their distinguished position, do they sit there and go, amen? Do they? What does it say they do? This is what's going on in heaven. It says when they do that, it says the elders, they fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him. 
who lives forever and ever. And they take their crowns that Jesus gave them and they fall off of their thrones that he set them in and they set it before him. What are they doing? They're saying, Jesus, everything that you've given me, given me does not compare to you yourself. The gifts and talents and callings and ministry, everything you've given me, it cannot take the place of you. You are more important than me. You are more important than what you've given me. You are more important than my children. You are more important than my job. You are more important than my family. Jesus, you are more important than my ministry. They fall down and worship him. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Who's worthy of all the praise? Jesus is. You created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Here's what I felt like God was saying to me. For us as a church to grow into what God wants us to grow into, it's going to cause us to lay down our crowns. It's going to cause us what it's going to cause us to maybe lay down our pride. Lay down the notion of, well, I just don't worship like that. I want to say this with all due respect and compassion. What I'll just say it about myself. How's that? That's better. Yeah. That sounds better. What I think doesn't matter. What Jesus thinks matters. What I think is right in church or wrong in church does not matter. What he thinks is right is all that matters. And if he says this is what's happening in heaven, that there the elders are not standing in the back overlooking all the peasants. The elders are leading the way in worship and taking off their crown and their position and saying, Lord, only you, only you, only you are worthy of worship and praise. Nobody on the platform is saying, taking a position of look to me, look to me. We're saying, no, look to him. Look to Jesus. Look to the king. Look to the king. And my heart this morning is simply for that. I just want us to look at Jesus. Maybe ask yourself in your heart, is he the king of my life? Or am I just going to church? You may ask sometimes, like, why do you guys, why do you, why do you sing I'm just trying to prepare you because God is transitioning our body continually and continually. God's been doing a work in me over the last couple of years. It's been very challenging and painful because anytime you die, it hurts. And he's continually asking me to die and die and die. And just when I think I've done enough dying, Something else will come up. And he says, kill that too. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying that to say this is the gospel. That Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him first 
deny himself, take up his cross, and then follow me. What we've created in the church is a ideology that we just come and sing some songs and hear a sermon and go on about our day and we never change. Folks, God's saying that somebody has to be the Lord of your life. It's either going to be you or him. There's only one throne and only one can sit on it. There's no two-seaters with you and Jesus. Jesus is not the co-pilot. He's got to be the pilot. He's got to be one, one runner's show. So I felt him breathing on this this morning. And I said, Lord, I, I just want to be where you are. I want us to be it. So I felt like God was asking me to begin to prepare you that we're going to continue to pursue the presence of God. And I want you to know you want it. You want it in your life. You need him in your life. You need him. For us to create an atmosphere is not going to be about the people on this platform doing all the heavy lifting. It's going to be we as a body begin to worship him. We begin to look at his face. We begin to see him. You begin to move from the screen to seeing him. I'm not looking at the screen. I'm seeing someone. And you, from the back row all the way to the front row, in one accord, we begin to worship the lamb because he's worthy to be praised. We worship him in spirit and in truth. You're like, what's going to happen? I don't know. That's the problem. We always want to know, how does that impact me? We're always thinking about us. God just wants our affection. That's all you have to give him. Give him your love. And I know, I realize that's that language. I've, I've been there in my life, and I, I understand that that language is a little hard. It's weird. When someone used to say, when people say, oh, isn't the Lord beautiful? I'd be like, I, just, I couldn't translate with that. But I'm learning to see him in a different way that I can say he's beautiful. He never changed, but I changed how I see him. He's changing my heart. He's changing my goals and my objectives. That my priority in my life is just to see him for who he is, to behold his face, to behold his beauty, to have his presence come because I understand that nobody's coming for me. They're all coming for Jesus. And if he comes and he's here, then you will, uh, he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, you'll want to bring all your friends, not because Chad's a great speaker, but because Jesus is there. You want everybody to come, not because we're the best, but because he's here. We are not the best if he's not here. We're, we're not anything of ourselves, but when he's here, everybody wants to huddle around him. This is our heart's desire. This is the focus. This is our, our goal. There in Mount Carmel, this is our goal. In Carlinville, this is our goal. To create atmospheres where Jesus will hang out. And we hang it hangs out, and who knows what's going to take place. I don't know. I may preach a sermon. I may not. I may preach what I prepared. I may not. I may, I may not preach at all. 
I may lay on the floor. Somebody else may come up. You're like, that's weird. It's, it's, it's what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if everything we've ever known about church is not like it is in heaven? People say this all the time. Well, Chad, I'm just not used to that. I'm not comfortable with that. I get it. But what if what we're comfortable with is not God? I don't know. I'm just saying. What if what what makes us comfortable doesn't make him comfortable? Why are we pursuing our preferences anyway? Because we want people to feel comfortable when they walk in. I understand the language. I really do. But I just don't anymore. And I don't mean that mean. I really don't. I just, I don't, if if a new person comes and you're like, I think you're all crazy. That's okay. I love Jesus. No, don't clap. Don't clap. That's not for applause. Nobody else died for me. You don't know the cost of my oil. You don't know my life. You don't know the insides. You don't know what he's done for me. I can't thank him enough. I'm not expressive enough yet. I'm not not giving him enough of my life yet. I'm, I'm only scratching the surface. As David said, I I will be even more undignified if it means giving him the glory that's worthy of his name. So you're like, Chad, this is not a way to grow the church. That is not our prerogative. Oh, I say this with, with, with dying. Our goal is not to grow the church. Our goal is to love Jesus and make disciples that will lay down their life for him. I believe the church has made it too easy and they've made it about ourselves. And I apologize for any part that I have played in that program. But if you come here, I want you to know what we're after and why. So when you see things and hear things, you're like, well, that's a little different. Know that we're just trying to be on earth as it is in heaven. And in heaven, they got six-winged creatures full of eyes going around the throne over and over saying the same thing day and night. It's weird. Who doesn't think a six-winged creature full of eyes is not weird? Elders bowing down, throwing their crowns and saying, Lord, this throne you gave me, this crown you gave me, it's nothing compared to you. I'll get off of my throne and I'll throw down my crown because you, 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 Jesus. We've lost sight of the person of Jesus and we've embraced an ideology about him. Build a construct of church around theories and and ideals and feelings about ourselves instead of worshiping the Lamb. So I say this in generalities, of course, and I say this in no condemning way. I'm with you. I'm I'm, I'm like I could sit there in the rows with you and, and hear this message to me and say, yes, Jesus. 
Yes, Jesus, let it be me. Let it be me, not just in our services, friends, but could it be in our homes? Could it be in our homes that Jesus gets all the praise and glory? Or do we only lift our hands when we're in the room? Do, do I only worship when I got one of these? When I got some people up here with microphones? What do, do we need that to worship him? We're not looking at him if we do. We're looking at this production. Yay, yay, production. No, we've got to see him. When we look at him, everything changes. I don't want to stop saying worthy, worthy, worthy when I'm looking at him. When I'm looking at the screen, I'm ready to move on to the next song. But when I see him, I like to say, Jesus, you're worthy. You're worthy. So friends, I've, I'm with you. I've got so far to go. I've got so far to go. But I've settled my gaze on one prize that I may know him the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I don't have time for that message. But we're addressing some things so that you'll understand what the gospel is truly about. So that you won't be shocked when God asks you for everything. Wait a minute. I'm not sure I like standing for three songs. What, when he, what, what are you going to do when he asks you for everything? So let's do this. Let's do this. Hang on, hang on. I just want to ask him what he wants to do next. Come, Jesus. Would you pray with me? Just pray for a moment. Would you ask him what he wants to do with you? Don't be an observer, be a participant with me. We're all in this together. We're all wanting the will of God to take place here. We're all wanting the move of the Holy Spirit to happen for you, for your neighbor, for that person beside you that you don't know what's going on in their life. They walked into this service today and you don't know what they're dealing with, but he does. And when he comes, he can touch them in a way that you can never do it on your own. But your prayers may bring freedom. Say, Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Come, Lord, walk amongst us. Come, Lord. Everyone watching online, everyone, come, Lord, into Mount Carmel. Come into that room, Lord. Come into Carlinville. You know no boundaries. Come, Lord Jesus. Just let him come. We trust you, Jesus. We trust you, Jesus. If you would, please, go ahead and stand to your feet. But please stay. Don't, don't anybody move around. Just, just stand for a moment.
You're like, I can't, Chad. I know, I know, I get it. I know, I've been, been there many times. I'll be there many times again. But just do your best. Close your eyes and try and see him. Say, Jesus, maybe you don't get an image. I, it's not like I see an actual face. I just, I'm just focusing my attention on him. Give him your attention. Now just give him your response to that. What is he asking of you? What is he doing with you? How will you respond? We saw how the six-winged creatures responded when they saw him. We saw how the elders responded when they saw him. How will you respond right now to what you see? Whatever it is, just begin to do it. Begin to do it. I don't want to tell you what to do. Just begin to respond to what you see. You're like, well, I don't see anything. Just begin to respond to him in affection, in love. I don't know what that looks like for you. Just be honest. Don't try and dream up something. Don't try and conjure up something. Don't try and manipulate something. Just be honest. Maybe it's just saying, I love you, Jesus. Just do it. Stop looking at other people. Well, should I be doing what they're doing? Should I do? No, you should be doing what's in your heart to respond to him because genuineness comes from your heart, not from other people's actions. You may want to come to the front. You may want to kneel. You may want to lay down. You may may want to lift your hands. You may, I don't know what it is, but I'm just saying respond to him. You may want to just tell him, Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. We want you, Lord. We long for you. We say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We want more, Lord. We want more of you. We give you more of ourselves. Come on, who's, who wants to, who feels like they're supposed to yield more to God? Yield more of your life. You've been holding back and God's asking you, saying, am I enough for you? Am I enough? Give him more. Give him more. Give him more areas of your life. Yield thing. I believe God is highlighting certain habits to certain people right now and he's asking for it. He's saying, can I have that? And when he's asking for it, he's saying to you, am I not enough to replace it? Give it to him. Give it to him. Jesus will never make your decisions for you, but he will empower the decisions that you make. Give him your faithfulness. Repent. Lord, we repent for replacing you with lesser lovers. We repent, God. We repent for choosing other things before you. We repent of churchianity and religiosity. We repent, Lord, of going through the motions. We, we repent of other prizes in our life. And we say, you, Lord, are holy, holy, holy. We want to be with you, Lord. everything. Come on, search your heart. Say, Jesus, have it all. Have it all, Jesus. Come on, church. Let's go after more. 
than just a service that gets over for lunch so we can watch football. Let's, can we go after something a little deeper? Can we go after a person called Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords? The world is looking for something real. Programs and formalities will not do it. Mount Carmel. Come on, Carlinville. Respond to him. Respond to him. Worship him right now out of the genuineness of your heart. Pour out. Holy, holy, holy. Holy Jesus. Holy Jesus. You're holy Jesus. see you. Holy, holy, holy. Come on church, just a couple more minutes. Just a couple more minutes. Give him your heart. Give him your worship. seated on the throne. He's the one. He's the one. <laughs> Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You are holy, Jesus. You are holy. Holy Jesus. Are you, Lord God Almighty? Worthy, worthy, worthy. your response to his presence. He's here. What's your response to his presence? Don't take it lightly. Don't dismiss it. Engage it. Engage him. Whatever level you need to engage him, just say, Lord, here I am. I give you my heart. I give you my life. 
I don't want religion. I don't want formalities. I want relationship, Jesus. You're holy, holy. Jesus. crowns down the feet of the Lord Jesus. Well, this is a time for him, a time for him, not for us. The greatness of your mercy and love at the feet of Jesus.
just listen for the Lord. It's an example of the gift of tongues in operation in a church that's a message for the body. Let's just pray for the interpretation to come. If you feel like God is speaking that to you, just begin to sing that out. There's an example of biblical, you see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, of gift of tongues. There's a difference in prayer language. Someone praying in tongues there, it's not, that's not for the body. It's just a someone talking to God. There's a difference in that and a difference what Mary, and thank you for your obedience. It warms my heart that's something that you go way back for that gift to sing in the spirit and then for someone else to sing the interpretation. Very biblical. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Message in tongues, interpretation of tongues. You just heard it. You're like, well, that was a song. Paul said, sometimes I speak in the spirit, sometimes I sing in the spirit. Very biblical. So people say, well, I don't understand. Well, it's okay. Or you're not comfortable. It doesn't matter if if you're comfortable with it. It just means that whether it's biblical or not. So once you know, I want people to know watching online or people there in Mount Carmel, people in Carmel, I want them to know that this is biblical where we're just wanting to allow God to speak. We want an atmosphere where God is moving, not for us, 
to say, hey, look at us. We're a great church. We just want the presence of God to come and for him to do whatever he wants to do. Is it always going to be long? You know, I realize we're over. And, and I want you to love on and thank Jesus to every children's worker when you go to pick up your kids. It's a blessing. It's a gift. Because they're not back there babysitting. They're pouring into our children the same Jesus and Holy Spirit that we're pouring in out here. But I want you to thank them and honor them. But I want to just give God an opportunity. Because I, I realize this is a risk. I, I, I realize this is a risk. People are like, ah, we're not coming here for that. But you really want him. You really do. Just because you've never experienced it before doesn't mean it's not biblical. There are things that we experience sometimes that I'm not always comfortable with. I'm not always comfortable with it. But I'm navigating it, saying, Jesus, I'm willing to risk it for you. I would rather have some edge and be alive than be in some safe zone where I'm dead. Where nothing ever happens. Nothing ever happens that's alive. Nothing ever happens that's unusual. It's just the same over and over and over and over. We never risk anything, so we never see any supernatural. We want to build it on the basis of Scripture and a hunger for His presence. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.